Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Are calling it overcoming. And um, I don't know about you, but maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But some of us have some challenges, amen? Some of us have had some challenges. Some of us, um, maybe you call it troubles. Maybe you call it difficulties. Maybe you call it obstacles. Whatever you want to call it. Um, we need to, to overcome things in life. Like finances, venues, home, rent, jobs, studies, maybe relational things. Um, you can name it. But the thing is that all of that is part of the world. I mean, it's, it's in this world that where we live, where we have challenges. Anyone with me? So he said in worship, the biggest challenge that we've had... Oh, that was a pre-service. There's so many things happening. Pre-service meeting, I said the biggest challenge that we've had... Like, if you haven't been born again, you still have this challenge, by the way. But is your eternal redemption. That's the biggest hindrance, the biggest thing, the biggest obstacle, the biggest um, difficulty, the biggest trouble, the biggest thing that the world without God is trying to attain to, whether that's by appeasing God, by worshipping, by idol worshipping, by sacrificing, whatever, it is to appease this higher being because we know in our heart of hearts that we have an eternal side. I mean, Ecclesiastes 3 says that um, there is eternity in the hearts of men, and then he goes on and he says, who can know the end from the beginning? I think it's Ecclesiastes 3.11, which is an amazing, amazing verse because it's the, the great wisdom Solomon saying that there's eternity in our hearts, and after he's tried everything and done everything and messed up everything and wasted everything and had 700 wives and traveled the world and so many things that a lot of people are still trying to find their luck in. I'm going to be a great wisdom or a great intellect or I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to be happy. We have a book in the Bible <laughs> of someone who's done that and said, guys, it's not working. Amen. So what does he say there? He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts. Now, in your heart of hearts, you know that you know that you know that you have an eternal longing. You have an eternal need. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, look at the birds, okay? So, uh, we give you the opportunity to apply that word. And um, they neither sow nor reap. They know the store into bonds. But your heavenly Father, amen, counts you much more worthy than they. So, we're just uh, enjoying the creation with the Creator this morning. Look at what he says. He says, no one, no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to the end. I think the King James says, no one can find the beginning from the end. Now, what he's actually saying is, he's, he's speaking about the mystery. He says, no one knows the mystery. Can you see that? Because who is the beginning and the end? He is. Jesus is. So... Solomon says, there's eternity in my heart, but no one knows where it starts and where it ends. No one can know it. I don't know about you, but Paul writes in Colossians and he says, now the mystery has been revealed. Amen. Now we know the end from the beginning. And now we have the answer for the eternal longing in our hearts. It is Christ. Amen. So you see, you are more privileged than Solomon. I know you don't think it because he had the chariots and he had the queen of... Was it Skiba bringing her 700 camels and he had 700 wives and he traveled the world and he built a big, big, big place for God. He probably also sat on sand, we wouldn't know. Um, and he was happy with that. But he had, a, he had an issue. He said, except that no one can find out that work that God has done from the beginning to the end. So you see how you need to interpret and read the Bible because that is not true for you. That verse is not true for you. Because it's no longer hidden. The mystery has been revealed. We can read it and say, yes, no one could know the work of God from the beginning to the end. But now the mystery has been revealed. And now we know that Jesus Christ is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Aleph and the Taf. He is the beginning and the end. So when we have that eternal longing in our hearts, where do we, where do we go? We go to Christ. And He covers it from beginning to end. Now, he is the source of faith, isn't he? He is the author or the starter, the originator, and he is the finisher of faith. 
Okay? So if he's the originator, he's the beginning. If he's the finisher, he's the, he's the end, isn't he? Now, somehow in our minds, we think that Jesus is the beginning of faith and Jesus is the end of faith, but I need to fix and fill the middle. Because I need to be in faith, Christian. I love to teach on faith because I do it different than what you used to. I need to be in faith. Yes, be in Christ. Then you're in faith. Why? Because He is faith. He is the originator and He is the finisher. He is the start and He's the end. He is faith. I'm going to have to teach on Hebrews very soon. Things hoped for. The unseen, now seen. What is Hebrews? Let's go there. Hebrews 11. He is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Ecclesiastes, there's a hope. There's a longing. It's not seen. It's unknown. It's mysterious. It's hidden. But who is now the substance of knowing the beginning from the end? He's, Jesus is. Now, if you read Hebrews 11 and you take a teaching and you read a book just on Hebrews 11, you're going to be in error. Because you're going to hero people who shouldn't be hero. It's not a hall of faith. It's Christ. And it's those who believed in Christ and the Christ to come. Because at the end of Hebrews 11, it says, Now they without us could not be made perfect. Solomon wasn't perfect. Meaning Solomon wasn't complete. Why? Because he didn't know the end from the beginning. He didn't know Christ. He could only have him in a promised form in the mystery. But now the mystery has been revealed. It's been exposed. Now faith is the substance of what everyone in Hebrews 11 hoped for. He is the evidence, the manifestation of what was promised, but now is seen. Okay, so who believed it first? What is going to tell us? Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The first believer in the promise of Christ to come was Abel. That's why his sacrifice reflected the sacrifice that was promised, which was the shedding of blood. Cain didn't believe it. Cain thought, I can do it. I give what I have. Anyone been there? Lord, I'll serve you. I'll make it happen. I'll work it out. I'll like, you do your best, God do the rest. Welcome, Cain. Don't kill your brother. You see, it's, it's so, 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 so important. Let me give you one more, if I can find it here. It speaks about Isaac and Abraham. It speaks about Moses. Let's go to verse 23. Thank you, Teresa. Hebrews 11, 23. By faith. Who is faith? Christ. By faith, when he was born, was he three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. I think my parents thought I was proper too, so I hope they would put me in the basket. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he has come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Who are we talking about, ladies and gentlemen? We're talking about Moses. The writer of Hebrews says that Moses sided with Christ, Amen. not with Pharaoh. How did he know about Christ? He believed the promise of a Christ to come. You see that Hebrews 11 is really not about Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Cain, Abel, whoever. It's about Christ. And now he gives us the explanation of how each of these heroes of faith believed in a Christ to come. A hero of faith is not good on you. Well done, you person of faith, well done. A hero of faith is someone who trusts in God, who trusts in Christ, who says, not my will, but your will. Who doesn't understand the end from the beginning, but know that it's coming. Haven't revealed the mystery yet, but know that it's promised. Haven't figured it all out, but trust in God. One John five verse four. How do we overcome our challenges? 
You can read the end of Hebrews 11. They were sawn asunder. That's a nice way to say they were cut in half. I don't know if it was this way or this way. I don't know what I would prefer though. They lived in caves. They were, they were beaten. They were... Why? Because it says the world wasn't worthy of them. Why? Because they believed in something more. Now take that thought and let's go to 1 John 5 and it says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who's been born of God? Okay, so why are you struggling? <laughs> I'll show you why we're struggling. And this is the victory. What is the victory? Not that all your problems disappear. That's why we're struggling. Not that you're... You know that God promises you're going to be a billionaire, but you didn't realize He said it's going to be in Zimbabwe. So God is not a liar, but we need to just uh, to get the full picture. You know what we have is we have the word faith there. This is the victory. The King James says even our faith, but even is in italic. So I like how the King, New King James has taken it out. Because you can't have victory, but your victory is even your faith. Like, it's, this is the victory. What is the fight? The world. Isn't that what it says? But the victory is your faith. So why are you struggling? Because you're not in faith. Oh, you've been... I've, I've prepped you. Come on. <laughs> I've, uh, I've given you all the crumbs. Don't take the bait. The word faith there is not a verb. It's not a word. You are not victorious when you stand in faith, when you work faith, when you, when you faith for faith, when you faith for the outcome. That's not what it is. The word faith there is a noun. The victory over the world is the gospel. Amen. It is the faith in what we believe. It is in what we know. It is in the fact that Jesus Christ came, that He died, that He's resurrected, that He's ascended, and that He poured out His Spirit. That is how you overcome the world. Isn't that how you get born again? Yes. So how do you overcome the world? You get born again. What is the victory? It's the gospel. So when we have the gospel, we have the answer to every challenge, Amen. to every trouble, to everything that we might struggle with. Amen. Because like Moses, who had the gospel in a promised form, he gave up the things of this world. Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a picture of evil, seducive, um, even a materialistic success. But he says that he gave that up because he believed in a Christ to come. He did not have the fullness. He had not the Spirit of God indwell him. But he had the promise. That's why I, like the, I have heroes in Hebrews 11. Because they believed in what was to come. Where you and I, we believe in what has come. We believe in the substance. We believe in the finished work, not the promise. Which I believe is a little easier. But don't this bless you. Your victory over the world is not how good your faith is. It's not how strong your faith is. This is not man van God is. Because some of us are a bit smaller than others, aren't we? Of a good Christian. What is a good Christian? I thought you only get one type of Christian. And they're all good. Amen. Because God is good and God is in all of us. As hy weer kom, as hy weer kom, kom haal hy sy pels. Really? Where is he? He's already come back. Isn't he in you? Didn't he promise I'll never leave you nor forsake you? So if he comes again, it's distance. But he's inside. He is the beginning and the end and he's everything in between. He's the start of faith, he's the end of faith. So when I'm in him, I'm in faith. So the gospel is me now believing in the message that makes God one with me and me one with God. And if I'm one with God and God is one with me, even the issues and the problems of this world, what does Mark 4 say? The cares, the worries, the deceitfulness of riches of this world. So when we have eternity in our hearts, then we know whatever comes in this world doesn't stand a chance to touch my eternal well-being. 
That's why Colossians 3 says, now think about things above. Not of things on the earth. Where Christ is, Ephesians 2, 6. Seated at the right hand of the Father. When we take Christianity, and we take Hebrews 11, and we apply it to houses and cars and financial success, we are diluting the gospel. Because Jesus didn't come to give you a car. He came to give you eternal life. What did Andrew say? It's tight, but it's right. You see, the, the, the issue we have in this world is identity. It's not finances. It's not the government. It's not load shedding, even though that complicates things. We had load shedding for six till eight now. We're in that slot, you know. It's the difficult one. You set your alarm at 5.30 and then the, the babies are still sleeping. So you're like, is the coffee really worth it? <laughs> And you just boil the kettle so they can have their tea and then you, you, fix, you fix it later. That's all there to distract us. Finances, problems, relational strain. What has overcome the world? The gospel is how we overcome. Now, the next verse then, you can check it out. It's really not a verb. <laughs> I promise you it's not a verb. It is a knowledge. It is the message. It's the gospel. And us believing that now means it takes residence in us and we take residence in God. So now the things of this world grow strangely dim, doesn't it? Doesn't mean they disappear. I'm not saying that, uh, you know what? God doesn't have money. Anyone ever thought of that? God does not have money. You have. That's why every week I remind you to give some of that to us. <laughs> because I can pray all I want. God doesn't have money to give me. He says, what I have, I give unto you. But he doesn't have money. I mean, that will be fraud. <laughs> if money is based on, like it used to be on the gold, like God put the gold in the earth. He didn't keep it in heaven. Now I know you, the Romans are paved with gold. Let's not go there. He's not, there's no mine in heaven that's getting gold into your pocket. What do you need more than money? Eternal life. Boom, like true. Why do you need more than um, a nice venue? Eternal life. Forgiveness of sins. To be one with God. Let's go to verse 1. 1 John 5, 1, New Living Translation. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his Son too. So how do we overcome the world? By what we know and by who we know. Everyone who believes is now a child of God. And who overcomes the world? Verse 4, the children of God. So the maturity is our challenge. The growing up and seeing that even though I'm facing issues, I'm eternally secure. And then it's about what do you value? Do you value the things of the earth? Or do you value the things in heaven? Now, I'm not saying God doesn't care about what happens here. God is the healer. He wants to heal you. God is the father. He wants to provide for you. <coughs> but I think we have it a bit skew. Let's take a detour and then come back. You know that the apostles... Had some money issues. No, you don't know that. The prosperity teaching, you can't get that in the New Testament. You have to stick with Solomon. And Solomon said, I don't know what's going on. Didn't he just say that in Ephesians? Oh, it's easy as this read. Philippians 4 12. I know how to get along and live humbly. In difficult times. And I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. What is he saying? It's not about it. It's not about it. Now, the famous verse that the rugby players put on their shoulders and their biceps for the wrong reason. 
I can do all things. I love the Amplified says, which he has called me to do. Doesn't mean you can lift this building or you can fly. The context is I can live with a lot and I can live with a little. I can struggle and I can abound. Through him, like Adam said, his power, his strength, who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Not on my own. I'm not a self-made man. I'm a God-made man. I'm a God-trusting individual. I'm relying on Him. When I'm weak, He's strong. He in me. He's powered through me. Amen? I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Was Paul a man of faith? Did Paul struggle financially from time to time? So was he in faith or out of faith? He was in Christ. He was in faith. Peter and John, two of our beloved disciples, goes in Acts 3 to a temple that this guy Solomon built. And by this time, I think it's been rebuilt. Acts 3 verse 6, New Living Translation. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Anyone ever heard a sermon on that part of the verse? I don't. Not that I didn't bring. I don't have. Men of faith. Living for God. On the mission. I don't have what you're asking for. But what I do have, I have what you need. Do you see it? You're asking for money. But you need salvation. I'll give you what I have. Or they have a good perspective. I don't have money. But that's not my problem. I have something more. And I'll share that. I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Wow. Oh, now I can only serve God when... The bank account says I can. I can only go on mission when I can afford to. I can only live when, I can only give what, what I have. True. Please do not give off your credit card. But give what you have. Put some away. Last week we spoke about being a disciplined giver, financially as well. Because guess what? This owner is generous, but we still need to pay The, the gas is not for free. I tried, but Af Afrox said, sorry, sir. You need to pay for the refill. And even that's not getting the gospel out yet. It's just facilitating a, an area where we can equip. Silver and gold, I have none, King James. But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. All the people saw him walking, verse 9, and praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. If they just gave him money, life just went on for everyone. Tomorrow he needs it again. Maybe they give him a month's worth. Next month he needs it again. But now everyone was astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Why? Many people have given him money. Over the years. Otherwise he'd be dead. But no one has given him healing. No one has said get up and walk and it worked. No one has healed him. So now he's, he's still needing money. You see. He, he hasn't received money yet. He's probably hungry. He doesn't know he's going to sleep tonight. But guess what? He's walking. Amen. He's walking. So he wants what these guys have. A lot of people have money issues. He wants what they have. So he's holding tightly to them. Verse 12, look at this. This is a mindset of a believer. Many people draw together. And when Peter saw it, he saw an opportunity. The word says, make the most of every opportunity. So for Peter and John, the miracle was fine, but now there was an opportunity. Why? Because the miracle brought a crowd. And what does a crowd need? The gospel. What I have, I give you. 
And he didn't hold back. He didn't just give him the healing. He said, what I have is the gospel. What I have is more than you need. It's different than you think, but it's what you need. And now everyone is drawing together and it says in the New Living Translation, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us, though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Then he says in verse 16, Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was. Faith in Jesus' name healed him before your eyes. Verse 13, For it is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to His servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release Him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised Him from the dead and you are witnesses to this fact. What does He do? Gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the outpouring of the Spirit. What I have, I give unto you. I don't know what your challenges are. Some of them I do. (laughs) You don't know all my challenges. I have challenges. We have challenges. Amen? But what do we have? What do we have? We have the gospel. We have Christ. We have the power of God. We have forgiveness of sins. We have life eternal. I can only give you what I have. Amen? From my pastor's heart and my father's heart for all of you, I wish I could solve all your problems. Honestly, I do. I wish I could pay all your bills and buy you all houses and cars. And Guess what? But I don't have that. But what I do have, I give unto you. Amen. That Jesus died because He loved us. That He was risen because God is eternal. That He is alive forevermore and that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? If you believe in Him. And that is how we overcome the world. Amen. What I do have, I give unto you. Now that you have it, give it unto others. Amen. You see, we get caught up and distracted in, in, in discussions about things that we do not have. I don't have enough money. I don't have the right house. I don't have the right car. Oh, the venue is four minutes further than what it used to be. I can't go. Four minutes, I, I times. I live in Stellenbosch and I drive longer than most of you now to get here. That's not an issue. Because what do we have? We have the gospel. We are forgiven. We are one with God. We are overcomers. Why? Because of what we heard. Of what we believe. Not of what we don't have and what we still struggle with. No, of what we have. What we receive. This is how we overcome the world. We don't care about the world. We care about the people in the world. Listen, listen. Not the things of the world. Not the approval of the world. Not the success of the world. You can try. Solomon did. Eternity is still still empty. Sometimes I'm so privileged to live in Stellenbosch. Sometimes I find myself in places and I'm like, how did I get here? The other day I was in a meeting room that I think Solomon would have been proud of. And I sat there and was like, Lord, how, how did I get here? And every time I feel like God saying, I'm showing you behind the scenes. I'm showing you the emptiness behind the veil. Like plastered graves. I was privileged to be at a data center this week. Now this was an experience. You have to, to get clearance a day or ahead of time. They check your ID, they do background checks. It's multiple gates. It feels like you're going into a war zone. Like, they can just make a movie there. I, was, I felt like I was walking around in a movie. You know, pharmaceutical places are, I think it's nine rated for cleanliness. This place with 21 diesel generators, massive generators, is an is a eight. <laughs> It's so clean, I'll promise you, I'll eat off the, 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 the exhaust. It's polished. I'm like, like, will you punish them and let them polish? They've got backup upon backup upon backup, and they build on a line that doesn't even have load shedding. They bought the land because of that reason, because they can't afford to go off. 
It is approved by Microsoft, by Facebook, by um, Amazon Web Services. It is state of the art. It is five levels backup. Like if you have, if you probably have an inverter at home, you've got one level backup. They've got five. And they're doing everything that money can buy to keep this place running. And I was walking there and I was, I was, I was impressed. Let's be honest, like, I was impressed. I was like, I didn't, believe, I didn't know places like this existed in South Africa. I knew they probably existed somewhere, but... And you know what? With all of that, that place is still going to burn one day. I got the best fire protection, fire detection, sprinkler systems, isolated areas. They don't use this battery because it's, it's, it's a fire risk. They don't do that. They, like they've got state, state, state-of-the-art equipment, the best engineers. It's like a really impressive. But the very thing they set out to do is to, to keep this place from destruction. That's really, if it's Armageddon, they, they are the internet. So I'm going to go there because then you can broadcast. <laughs> if you work there, you sign that if something happens and you're on site, you don't go home. You stay there. They've got rooms like a hostel because the data center needs to, to be up and running. It's as best as this world has to offer. But it doesn't speak to eternal void. Amen. It's state of the art. Like it's, it's, it's more billions than you can dream of. And they're building one double the size right next door. Of what we have. I give unto you. Something that's more sure, Amen. more secure, Amen. more rewarding, yeah. more fulfilling, life-giving, identity, foundational truth that God loves you, is one with you, has forgiven you, abides in you, lives in you, wants to live through you. What I have, I give unto you. What I have. And that's all God is expecting of us. He's not expecting you to give what you don't have. His word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So Peter could say, sorry guys, I don't have money. Still waiting. God hasn't shown up yet, you know. I'm praying, I'm in faith, but I'll come back when I have. Thank God, man, I wanted to give, but... Or you could have the eternal perspective and says, what I do have, get up and walk. And again, that's not the testimony. The testimony is the people who get born again a few hours later. Because healing, as great as it is, is not eternal. You can get healed and you can get sick again. Or you can get healed and you can die. So he wasn't speaking about the healing. He was setting up the giving of what he has. Can I give you a, can I give you a small secret? People around us are cardinal. We can use it to our advantage. When the healing happens, they're going to come. Share the gospel. Make the most of every opportunity. When you have miraculous financial provision, praise God. Share the gospel. When you have more than enough, share with the church so we can share the gospel. Think about things above, Amen. Amen. not of things on the earth. Colossians 
3. Let's start on verse 1 quickly. Christianity is not a way of life. It's a completely new life. Shane said it yesterday. I was like, I need to, I need to write that down. <laughs> Christianity is not a new way of life. It's a new life. So you're not just better off here. If you're a Christian, you are not here anymore. Or you're not from here. You're still here, but you're not, no longer from here. You're born from above. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You've been raised. It's, it's a promotion. It's different. It's, it's a different realm. You, you're no longer in the dirt. You've been raised. I love, love, love to share this. Like, God makes a, a promise to Abraham. He actually only makes one promise to Abraham. And it's the promise of the seed, which is Christ. But he says, Abraham, you have many sons, as many as the sand. That's got a new uh, depth, doesn't it? <laughs> but Abraham, you're going to have two kinds of children. You're going to have Ishmael's and Isaac's. You're going to have slave children and free children. You're going to have dusty children and starry children. You're going to have unborn again children and born again children. As many as the dust of the earth, and then those who receive the gospel become as many as the stars in heaven. Because now you've been raised from the dust into a heavenly reality. And now you're shining as a light of this world. And guess what? There's a lot of dust still around. So as we shine the light of the reality of Christianity on them, we are inviting them to be raised to new life. To be born not from the earth, but from above. To become a starry sky with him as the main star. Didn't they, what happened in Bethlehem again? A star? The firstborn? A man? Many brethren? Nothing in the Bible is for free. Is for free. <laughs> it's all for free. I mean, it's, nothing is by chance. Nothing is without meaning. It's a prophecy. As he is. So are we in this world. So we don't dabble in the problems of this world, even though we are, we have them. <laughs> I so wish I could stand here and say, you'll not have any problems if you come to Jesus. I really, like, I, I, you too. I'm, I, we, we, we want that, but that's a lie. That's a lie, because Jesus wanted to say that too, but Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. So who am I just to, to, you know, I, I watched a horrible thing the other day. This guy was speaking on um, Facebook, some prophet, and um, he was discussing with his cronies the, the piece where Jesus said, love your enemy. And the one guy read it and, and, and this big shot said, no, 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 I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't agree with Jesus. Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> And the people are throwing money at this guy because he knows their telephone number or he... <coughs> I know my telephone number. I don't need you to tell me my telephone number. But what I did not have, someone shared the gospel with me and now I do have it. Amen. You know what? You might have more problems as a Christian than you did. Before you got born again. But it should bother you this. Because you no longer have any eternal problems. You can have all the money in the world. Money solves problems. Like I mean I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that. If we had a hundred thousand round a month, we wouldn't be here. Ah, you don't know me well enough. We would still be here because we'd use that 100,000 to get the gospel out, man. We won't put it into comfort. What we have, we give. We share. Amen? We maybe put a floor in. Okay. <laughs> but we are not here to be comfortable. We are here to be givers. Givers of what we've got. Givers of Christ. Set your affection on things above. That's the problem. 
Where's your thinking? Where's your identity? Are you more at home in the world than in heaven? Are you still grappling in the dust or you are, are you comfortable being a star with the chief star, the Son of God? <coughs> Affection is not what you think, even though that would preach well, is like, what do you love? But it's what do you know? What do you understand? He says, set your understanding on the things above, not on the things of the earth. That, listen how profound this is. He's saying, stop trying to solve your problems. Set your understanding on heavenly realities. We spoke about honor at the men's camp, and we said, who do we honor? The word says, give double honor to those who study the word. They set their understanding, their value, what they want to grow in, in the Word, in the reality, in the spiritual truth. Set your mind, set your understanding, set your, your growing in what you know. He says, don't try and understand the world better. Understand the kingdom better. And, and Matthew 6 says that seek first what? The kingdom. And then what happens? All these other things also get solved. So God is not saying, I don't care about you. He said, I care about you so much that I want to solve your problems. Who, who, who thinks the wisdom of God might help solve some of our earthly issues? Because where do you get the wisdom of God? At Harvard Business School? At Oxford? Cambridge? Stellenbosch? In Christ, in you. So how do you, you in prayer, in Stellenbosch? Yeah. I'm from Turkey, so that's where it is, amen? God sent me here to teach you. <laughs> Guess what? I didn't study uh, theology. Amen? <laughs> God, is, uh, God has got a sense of humor, doesn't He? For you are dead. Do you know it? Have you accepted the truth that you are dead? Or are you still trying to be alive in the dust? You are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He just said to him. So you are dead to the problems of this world, but you are born again to the realities of heaven. So are you going to think on where you are dead, or are you going to think on where you are alive? You see, the problem is our thinking. It's our focus, but it's also our wrong belief that someone has preached to us that if we have faith, we will not have problems. If we have faith, we will have money. If we have faith, we will have buildings. I mean, technically, we've been without a building, but then we had a tent. <laughs> if you were with us long enough. And that morning, the pastor that is was hitting very courageously the stake into the ground. And the next moment, I was like Moses who opened the rock and the water was flowing everywhere right underneath all the sound equipment because I hit the sprinkler pipe that I didn't know of. <laughs> and in that moment, you need to decide what are we here for? And we are here to share the gospel. So what we did, we lifted up everything, we phoned the school and said, send your plumber and we went on with the service because we're here to share the gospel. Amen? We said sorry and we dug a hole and we, we fixed it later. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then you shall also appear with Him in glory. What is the glory that you're searching for? That's, that's, where, it, that's where it ends. You're looking for glory of this world? Or the glory of God? 
where Christ is, there is your glory. Then you also will appear with Him in glory. Romans 2 and verse 7 says, To them who be patient, continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. The true glory is eternal life. Not a G-Wagon. I like a G-Wagon. Anyone? <laughs> if you're asking. <laughs> you see, we're not into the hints ministry, but that wasn't a hint. That was as open as you could be. No, I'm joking. I'm getting myself as you probably have. <laughs> I have. We've got two cars. I mean, that's amazing. For a long time, we only had one. I thought we'll die. We didn't. <laughs> you know what happened? When uh, God called me to resign my job at ShopRite, I had a company car. That company car was a testimony in itself because studying what I did and being all about efficiencies and cost cutting, in my mind, I was conditioned to know without even really thinking, if you invite me to a braai at your house, I know it's 20 kilometers away, so it's going to cost me X amount. Without thinking, that was, that was wired. And I was standing in a, um, in a BP garage, I think, and I was like, the, the most amazing thing in the world must be to have a petrol card and someone pays for it. It wasn't about the money, it was about the freedom. Because my mind was occupied by the things of this world, by the cost. You know what, not long ago, after that, I thought that's impossible unless you have a really rich dad who's got a farm account and you put the diesel through that. Like, that's, that's a, and I don't have a dad who's a farmer, I have a dad who's awesome. I mean, so ShopRite phoned and they said, one condition of you taking this job is you have to take the company car with the petrol card. I was driving a, a, my mom's old Corolla and they said that thing can do a hundred or can do a million kilometers. So I would make peace. Like I'll drive this thing to a million. It would be awesome. And I was standing in that similar garage and I was looking at the, the, the magazines and there was a, the new Polo, which is now a very old Polo, by the way, but it was the new Polo. And I stood there I'm like, sure, that would be so irresponsible. But if I were to buy a car now, it would be that Polo hatchback. Top right phone and they said you have to take the company car. They said you have to take the petrol card. And it's a polo, you can decide, hatch or sedan. <laughs> For five years, four and a half, I drove that car. Natasha and I drove from Durbanville to Stalemos twice a week to do Bible school. Shop right paid for it. My mind was renewed that I don't need to think about what this costs me. I can just go. God calls me out of that job. God, you gave me this car. God, you're going to give me a car. So I've got three months notice and I'm waiting for my car. God's not going to let his uh, faithful son be without. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. The last day I drive, I drive into my parking. I don't put the car in the fleet section where I need to leave it. Because I'm like, no, I'm in faith. But now I'm actually, I'm actually angry. Three o'clock that afternoon, I'm like, I still don't have a car, but I mean, I'm leaving. So I walk out, get into the car, start the car, drive it around the corner, park into the fleet section. And as I, as I switch it off, I feel the Holy Spirit says, this was never your car. giving up anything. I had the use of someone else's car with their petrol car, where they repaired the windscreens, where they paid the services, where they replaced the, the, the tires. It was never my car. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the use of this car for almost five years. See how God can change your perspective. I was still without two cars. We had one car. A lot of people don't have a car. We grew up two cars in the family. Privileged. Guess what? For a long time, we only had one car. Then we got two cars. We still survived. 
then that, that call out that I had was um, coming to its end of life, sort of. Actually, you know what? I drove into my life group with a for sale sticker on his polo. I said, thank you. I'll take that. It was an old polo. It was a sedan. Remember, I've been, I've been cleaned now. <laughs> I've been set free. Amen? So what happened is that car got close to 200,000 kilometers. It started, and I had to replace CV joints and brakes, and I was like, Lord, I can't afford this. And I was driving in the upper London, and I felt the Holy Spirit said, there's one way to solve this issue. And I'm like, what? And I said, sell it. No, it's for free. <laughs> to sell your car, it's for free. And I didn't. For three months, I didn't. Because, like, it's, it's, I'm in faith, or I'm like upset, or I don't like I'm living for God and sold the car. Lockdown happens. Not paying insurance on a car that I'm not driving. You know what happened after lockdown? A lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of people sold secondhand cars. So God solved more than my problem. But what did it take? Humility. I can continue the car story, it seems like I've got a captive audience now. <laughs> Someone said to me the other day, like, um, like something about the payment on the fortune. I'm like, don't worry, it's paid for. It's paid for. Miraculously, someone gave us something, someone paid a deposit, we sold the car and we bought this car and we've got two cars. But we've been set free. We've got two cars now because I want my wife to have a car when I'm not at home because there's two boys. I wanted to get around. I wanted to, to be safe and feel like she can get somewhere. But we'll be okay if we only have one car. Why? Because we had Jesus. We had eternal life. I had a big issue, a big problem, unsolvable. I was stuck in sin. Trying to impress God, trying to figure out how I'm going to live forever, how I'm going to please God, how I'm going to please God. That problem is solved. My biggest issue, my biggest challenges I've overcome. My God says, if I've given you the best, won't I also give you all things? It's all about perspective. How do we overcome the world? The gospel. Faith. But the knowledge of who Christ is, of where He is, and who I am in Him. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Amen. Thank you for the message of life, the gospel of our salvation. Thank you that there's more than enough of you in us. And that your word says, even if we need more, we must just ask. Ask for wisdom. We don't need to ask for more of God because He gave Him without measure meaning without limitation. Father, we pray like Paul that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the inheritance of the glory in the saints, that it is an eternal riches, Father. It's an eternal inheritance. And it's for the church. Ephesians 1.23 says, And the church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Isn't that beautiful? The church is His body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with Himself. Father, we have problems, challenges, difficulties in this world. And Father, often we need to give them attention. You know that. But help us, O oh Lord, to wake up to the reality of our Christianity. That we are above these issues. Seated in heavenly places. Full of God. Full of His wisdom. Full of His power. That we are forgiven forever if we only believe. That we are overcomers by putting our belief in Christ. By being born again. Born from above. Father, I speak to every financial difficulty, every health challenge, 
every relational strain issue, Father. And I speak that there would just be the wisdom of God released to the believers so that we will not get bogged down by these things. But Father, we want to give you honor. We want to praise you. We want to worship you for sending your Son to reside in us, to abide in us, to forgive us of our sins. Thank you, Father, that we can know and have more than even Solomon did. Father, that we can have the completion, the fullness, that we can understand the end from the beginning. That we can know Christ, who was promised, but now manifest. That which was hoped for has now been made real. The evidence of things that wasn't yet seen now becoming a reality for us. Dying on a cross, buried in a grave, resurrected, ascended, and poured out His Spirit for all who believe. Like, I want you to just give you one moment. I know we're running over time, but one moment just to, to calibrate your thinking. Just to calibrate your thinking. I'm not promising again that your problems are going to go disappear. But if we come from a reality of who we are in Christ, all of a sudden, we don't come by a spirit of fear. We don't come to the issue by a spirit of fear or lack, but we come to it by God's spirit, which is the spirit of power a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. And all of a sudden, the wisdom of God kicks in and now we can actually solve these issues by even just focusing on God. God's going to drop a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. He's going to send someone across your path who's going to just unlock or open something in your heart and you'll see that that is actually what God has given you. Like it doesn't always look like you want it to. It's often much better. What you've been praying for, God's going to supersede that. Just for you sisters, I want to... What you've been praying for, like, I almost see the picture where God says, just take the gears out, because you've been sort of forcing it in, in a way, and it's not going. Like, it's, 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 you're trying to make it work, but... Maybe just wants to use the same people, the same ideas, but just reconfigure it. And then, you know, the input ratio is going to be much less, but the output ratio that's gearing is going to be much more. So, Father, we just thank you for them right now. Even though there's a tiredness, there's a weariness, there's a Lord, when is this going to end? When are you going to come through? Father, that right now they will just be refreshed. No, I just see like the church is coming next to you, lifting your hands. Like Moses when he was tired, just like. Just lifting your hands. God is, is like breathing in you, like, like lifting your hands, like on, um, on big blow-up balloons type of thing. Like you can just rest on, on the air, on the spirit. He's holding up your hands and he's, he's wanting you to just to be creative again. To dream again. Not to get stuck on what did not come through, but to dream about, about more, about something else, about another way. Amen? Currently for you, I just felt in worship, like God says, the olive tree is blossoming. The olive tree is blossoming. What you're dreaming about is godly dreams. What, you, what you're dreaming about is godly dreams. It's not there yet. It's not ripe for the picking, but it's coming. Like, stick with the process. What you have in your heart, God wants to... to God has put it there. God has put it there. I, word, I hear the word crescendo. Your life is not done. There's a crescendo of all that you've done, of all that you've invested, of all that you've received, of all the knowledge, the relationships. There's a crescendo that God is going to bring. God is the orchestrator, but your life is the crescendo. It's, the, it's, it's what people are going to look at. It's what they're going to see. And they're going to see, but this is different. This is God. This is God. I just feel for someone here that you're really tired. I don't know who this is for, but you're tired. I see these peaks, these three peaks. Like once you reach the peak of the mountain, you, 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 you look up and there's another peak. And you think that's the peak and then you, you go and you walk up that peak and then there's another peak. And I just feel God saying you're approaching it from the wrong side. If you are seated in heaven, it doesn't matter how many peaks there are. Because it's all about perspective. I'm not saying the challenges isn't real. I'm not saying you're not tired. I'm just saying like your, your victory is not in overcoming another peak. Your victory is being seated in Christ above the peaks. And now you operate on the peaks 
as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. Gary, I just want to pray for you as well. I just feel like there's a longing for more. There's a longing for more in like asking God, like when? I don't know. <laughs> but if that resonates, just open your hand. Father, we just pray for Gary, for Jen. Yeah, but, but like, I feel God saying it's not when, but what? The more is not in the when, but in the what? So just that, make that your prayer. Lord, what is it more? Not when is it coming? Understand that. It's, it's, a, it's just a different way to, to ask the question. Anyone else here with a challenge? Like, just put up your hand. You don't need to tell me what it is. I've got a challenge. My hand's up. <laughs> I know there's challenges. We're overcoming challenges, amen, this morning because of Christ. Thank you, Father, for every person. We don't thank you for the challenge, even though James said we should, because it brings faith and it brings endurance, Father. But thank you that we can just approach these challenges from being world overcomers. From having the mind of Christ, the reality of Christianity, the Spirit of God. That we would be so focused on that, that in, things would even just effortlessly come to mind. Like I proclaim that even in your waking up in the morning in the twilight zone, that you can have answers. That God's going to give you dreams. God is going to speak creative things that hasn't even existed for all eternity. Like it's not even, it's not even there. Like don't miss it. Put a notebook next to your bed because you're going to have to write it down. Amen. God has given me business names. He's given me, he's given me great ideas when my mind is quiet. Amen. Expect, I want to say, not the, not, don't expect the unexpected, but expect God. Amen. Expect God. Keith, I just want to pray for you, man. Like, I just, I don't know how to word it really, but like, I want to see, God says, I see behind the smile. I see behind the smile. He loves the smile, but He knows your heart. He knows the longing. He knows the tiredness. He knows the, the faith even that you've had and that you are having and what you're clinging on to, what you're holding on to. He knows the desires that you have for you and for your family and for the kingdom. He loves the smile, but He knows you in and out. He doesn't accept you for the smile. He accepts you for who you are. He enjoys the lightheartedness that you bring and we all do. But He is about the essence of who Keith is. He calls you son. He calls you beloved. He holds you close. This is not a prophecy, but God says, even if it never works out, I won't love you any less. You, you feel like there's a heaviness in your stomach. It's like a, a, a dread almost. I want you to just quickly feel the hands on your shoulders. And realize that God is never leaving you nor forsaking you. That you are not alone. That God has placed you in this family for a time such as this. The word says, carry each other's burdens. When they cry, cry with them. When they laugh, laugh with them. There's men around you. There's a family around your family. And that's true for all of us. That's the beauty of community, the beauty of church. Sometimes you have and others don't. Then we give. Sometimes you need and others have. Then we share. It's the beauty of community. That's why the first church and Acts had all things in common. Even their troubles. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good.
We don't have anything special for you today. <laughs> Only what we have, <laughs> we've given. <laughs> you can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.